I'd like for you to turn to the 62nd Psalm, and I want to read verses 1 and 2 and 5 through 8. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. I may be shaken, but not greatly shaken. Verse 5, My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. When you wait, you experience a shift in the load. This load that's on your shoulders when you wait, there is a shift of that load over to the shoulders that were designed to carry it, really. Now, waiting is not our most popular occupation. I'm, I am the world's worst at waiting. Not long ago, I was headed across the railroad track and I got caught by a train. Must have sat there at least 30 seconds. And I thought, now there's a way to get across this track. And so I backed up and I, I headed down uh, uh, Katy Street. I mean, full bore. I thought I beat that sucker over here to this other other deal. And I, uh, as I got down to the next place where there was a crossing, I saw that the caboose was coming by where I had been, you know, and the people were going going across, and I had to wait a little longer. Waiting is not what I enjoy uh, doing. I thought I might just uh, review tonight some of uh, uh, the life of some of those men of God who learned to wait on Him. And I thought of Noah, who was told by God that it would rain, although there had never been such a thing, never been rain. And Noah waited 120 years for something that had never been before, waiting on God. And I thought of Job, this man with sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, who had lost everything that we prize as important or dear, and he prized as important and dear to him, lost everything. And I don't know, we, nobody knows how long it was that he waited, but there was a period of time when Job waited for relief to come from God. And you, can you imagine what that must have been like? And I thought of Joseph. For a decade and a half, he spent in, in prison, falsely accused and falsely imprisoned. For a decade and a half, he languished away in that prison in the slammer. And when he was finally released from prison, he went right back in and spent 14 more years waiting for somebody to release him. And, and he was released and promoted. And I thought of Moses, who at the age of 40 was Egypt's brightest star. 
Josephus said he was a man skilled as a military officer. He had the finest education available to him, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And at the age of 40, in the prime of his life, sent to the desert. What a waste. He was a man who was just appearing on the horizon, educated and skilled and, and, and the, the, uh, the, the rising star of Egypt out there somewhere tending sheep. For 40 years, he wasted away out there. No wonder when um, the Israelis became an Egyptian sandwich between the Red Sea and the army, it was Moses who could say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, that's what he'd been doing for 40 years. And then there was this interbiblical period after the prophets. By the way, the prophets, most of them never saw their dreams realized, waiting for God to change the hearts of those people, and they never changed. And they moved into the interbiblical period, the period of silence. For 450 years, no word from God. If you took the 450 years away from 1988, it would be like 1538. So from 1538 to 1988, a period there, no word, just silence. Can't, I, cannot, I can't relate to that. And Jesus waited 30 years. They don't even have a record. He ever even taught a Sunday school class. Can you, you know, I can imagine that the nominating committee and the synagogue must have been, you know, Sunday afternoon trying to hammer out the new teachers and officers for the year. And somebody said, well, that boy, Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, he's a terrific young man. Let's make him a junior boy's teacher, you know. Never heard us, this kid never got in trouble, never said a bad word. This guy would be a great teacher. As far as we know, never taught a Sunday school class. Can you see the building committee wanting to nominate him as the head of the building, you know, the building fund, going to build a new synagogue? Jesus would be perfect one. He's a carpenter, isn't he? What was he doing for those 30 years? He was waiting on God. That's what he was doing for those 30 years. And he told his church to wait. And the church became known as the waiting church, waiting on God. And all of a sudden Saul of Tarsus appeared on the scene, became converted, went three years to Arabia to wait on God. And his marching orders to the church is to wait for the coming of the Son. Now I notice some, I, I have some initial observations I want to share with you tonight about waiting. Uh, the reason why I've chosen to talk about growth through waiting is because I won't get this sermon over with. This is the worst, this thing I hate to do the worst of wait. Some initial observations, this, first. Waiting is the rule rather than the exception. The God who directs us, the forward-moving spirit who directs our starts and stops has more stops than starts. Let me tell you what, you're going to spend more time stopped than you are started. And life is a series of green lights and red lights, but there are more red lights than green lights. I mean, there are just a few little bursts of green lights, and when that happens, you better move because most of the time, the light is on red. 
And the doors that are opened are the exception. And the doors that are closed to us are the rule. I hate to tell you that, but it's true. That there'll be more, door, more closed doors to life than open doors. Second initial observation. Waiting on God is resting instead of worrying. I mean, it's being still on the inside. You ever tried to fake resting? I mean, you put on this plastic face and, and your face says, I'm resting, but your insides are churning and boiling. Uh, waiting means that you've learned to be still on the inside. I know you've heard the story about the the guys who were kind of mopping up in Korea after the war was over, true story, as a matter of fact. And they had them an apartment, and they got them a little Korean uh, boy, to house boy. He was just the sweetest little boy, and they were always playing tricks on him. They nailed his shoes to the floor. He just smiled, you know, and he prized them up, you know. He just, it was such a great sport. They uh, short-sheeted his bed, you know, and he'd just, he'd just laugh, you know, and he'd just fix it back. And they, they'd put buckets of water on the door, and when he'd come in, they'd fall on him, and he'd just wipe up the water, and, and never, he'd just smile, everything. It was just it no problem. They got to feeling bad about it one day, and so they just told him, they said, now, uh, Young Sue, whatever his name was, said, we decided, you're such a good sport. We, we want you to know we're sorry for what we've done, and and we're not going to ever play another trick on you again. The little Korean boy said, you, you mean no more nailed shoes to floor? It's no more nailed shoes to floor. He said, you mean no more short sheet to bed? He said, no more short sheet to bed. No more water pails on door? No more water pails on door, we promise. All good, he said, I no more spitting soup. <laughs> now, it's easy to spit in a soup and, and, and all the time we're doing it, you know, our face is just smiling, you know, and we're just, everything is just great. And all the time, the inside, you know, the, the, the turmoil is going on down there. Now, waiting on God is resting instead of worrying. It means that there's not any of this churning. Wouldn't you like a life like that? Now, Psalm 62 is the most helpful outline for waiting I know in the Scripture. Now, the literal translation, beginning of verse 1, is this. Only for God in silence my soul waits. Because the emphasis here is on, only on God. I want you to write that in the margin. Only on God in silence my soul waits. And that Hebrew word silence comes from, the, from, a, from a word root that means the whisper of a secret now what he's saying is this, only for God I wait for his secret. I wait for the whisper of his secret. I listen for the still small voice of God only. My soul waits for God's whisper to me. Like those keys that are silent right now on the, the piano and the organ. They're waiting for the touch of the master's hand. They wait in silence, and as soon as the touch is there, the sound comes. I'm waiting only on God's whisper. Now, what are we to do? Two things. We're to wait for God to direct our steps. 
don't run ahead. You can't run and wait at the same time. Verse 5, the psalmist is kind of talking to himself. He, he says, my soul waits in silence for God only. Verse 5, he says to his soul, my soul wait in silence for God only. I mean, he, heard, he knows the principle, but he has to talk to himself. You ever, you ever done that? I mean, you know the principle, so you're talking to yourself. Wait now on God. Now, there is a time to wait, and there is a time to act. I think one of the keys in the Christian life is when to wait and when to act. The time to wait is when you do not know what God wants you to do. The time to act is the very moment you know what God wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. Now I'm going to tread a little water with you here and dig up a little new soil. I'm convinced that the reason why we were given the Holy Spirit is so that God can talk to us. There, you know, that's not the only reason, but that is a reason. Now we don't hear from God audibly anymore. And so the Holy Spirit, God gives the Holy Spirit so that he can communicate to us. And when we are born again, we get, we get ears on our soul, on our heart, and the Holy Spirit talks to us so that you can know what God wants you to do and you can know how he wants you to do it. Now, I need to say three, say three things about that, and that's, you're going to have to pencil that in to your text, to your uh, worksheet. Number one is something about how God speaks to us. Hear, hear this, please. When God speaks to us, he speaks very personally. He calls his sheep by name. I mean, he didn't talk to, you know, the congregation as such. He talks to us as individually. You ever been in a service where you just knew the preacher had been reading your mail? I mean, people have told me things I've said, and I went and checked my notes. And I memorized my sermons word for word. I, I look, you know, I no more say that than anything. You know what, you know what was happening? God was speaking to them. I mean, it sounded like the preacher was doing it, but it was God who was doing it. You ever been in something like that? Well, I guess not. When he speaks, he speaks very personally. I mean, he doesn't just scatter shoot like a shotgun. He calls you by name. Secondly, when he speaks, he's very relevant. Now, the, the Lord who counseled us to take no thought of tomorrow is not going to do a whole lot of talking about tomorrow, but he is going to be talking about today. He's going to be relevant. And so what he's going to tell us most of the time is, is what he wants us to do today. See, I heard about this guy who came forward in a service. Uh, Dr. Newport was preaching. It was back when we were shooting off rockets to the moon, and he surrendered to be a missionary to the moon. Well, that's kind of getting on out there in the future. I mean, John Newport said, that is great, wonderful, but how about being a missionary on the campus in the university where, how about being a missionary there before we get to the moon? When God speaks, he talks in relevant terms. Third, when God communicates, it's usually at a level where we are, usually with, in a very, with very mundane things. Now, if you're waiting for some you know, flash of lightning or God to speak to you about some missionary enterprise in Africa, you might wait till you die, but he might tell you about going across the street and talking to your neighbor tomorrow and aren't taking a pie over there, a cake, or 
My address is 2022. <laughs> now, wait for God to direct our steps. Secondly, trust God to provide your needs. How are you doing at that? How are you doing at trusting God to provide your needs? Well, you can take this test. It's just two questions. First, how much do you worry or panic? Second question, how much do you start thinking of ways to get what you need before you think about God? I mean, when, when the pressure's on, how, much, how many times do you just kind of start thinking up in your mind the deals you're gonna pull off to get what you need? Or, or do you, you know, think of God first? Right, what, what do we need to do? We need to wait on God, and that means wait for God to direct our steps and wait for God to provide our needs. Secondly, how do you wait? The scriptures suggest that you wait in silence and in stillness. That silence on the outside and on the inside, that stillness on the outside and on the inside. I think some of the best times of prayer spent without a word being said. I think some of the best times I spend in prayer are the times I never say a word. Just close my eyes and try to sense what God wants for me. Try to feel along the rim of his character and heart to try to find his will for me, sensing what he needs and wants. It's kind of like love, you see. The deeper the love, the less has to be said. You ever notice that? I remember back before the invention of the wheel when I was dating, and I can remember, the, you know, take out a girl for the first time and everything, what you really want, what you're thinking about is what do I say? Isn't that right? You remember that, guys, isn't that true? Yeah, what am I gonna say? I hope I can carry on a conversation. If I have a three-hour date, man, alive, what am I gonna say for three hours? You know, I was thinking that all the time. But you know, fell in love and, 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 and you know, there'll be times when Margaret and I go out on dates, believe it or not, say very little. You didn't need to say anything. You, you don't need to say a whole lot when you're in love. Isn't that right? It's kind of like that with the Lord. The deeper the relationships, the deeper the relationship, the less you have to say. Now, I'm not talking about the less time you have to spend with God. You may spend more time with God. It may be that you spend that time in stillness and silence, just sensing. God just might want to just love on you for a little bit. In stillness and silence, secondly, in stability and in confidence. He says, he only is my rock. Now, I want you to take your Bible and, and I want you to look with me back to the, over to Isaiah chapter 40. Would you turn there? Everybody's turning. If you're not turning your Bible, turn your head. Or, you know, everybody's, we're gonna look at chapter 40, verse 31. Boy, I know you know that from memory. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord. 
The word in the Hebrew, wait there, and there's several of them. This word happens to be kawah, kawah. It really means to twist, to stretch around something so that you, it, you know, kind of like a rope, braided. It's the idea of twisting something around something else to gain its strength. And the idea is that we, we take this little thread of our faith, our life, this little thread that represents us, and we twist it around the rod of his character, and we gain his strength. It's, it's what some call the, the exchange life. Is I take my little thread of, of strength and I twist it around the rod of his character and I gain his strength. And when that happens, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Their strength for the soaring, for the spiritual uh, explosions. They shall run and not get tired. They shall have energy. For the, for the run, for the, for the, for the mountaintops. But here, and, 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 and the progression is not downward. The progression is upward. The greatest amount of strength is for the daily walk, and they shall walk and not become weary. The, the mundane, the monotonous strength for the daily grind, for the, for the, for the diapers and the dishes and the, and, and, and the bosses and all the stuff you go through daily. I take my little strand of weakness and I twist it around his rod of character and I gain his strength. I love it. He's in stability and in confidence we wait. Third, why do we do this? Why do we wait? Because, look, he only is my deliverer my salvation, my security, my stronghold, my hope, my glory, my refuge. That ought to be reason enough. I mean, I mean you, can, you, you can not wait all you want to, but the only way you're going to be delivered is to wait on Him. And the only way you can have salvation is to wait on Him. And the only place where there is security, where there is a stronghold, where there is hope is in Him. And the only way you'll ever find a refuge is in Him. Because without Him, you have no deliverer, no salvation, no refuge, no hope, no glory. That's why. Why wait on Him? because that's the only way in the world you'll ever discover how faithful God is. Let me say that again. The only way in the world you'll ever discover how faithful God is is, to, is for Him to put you on in a weight position so that if He doesn't come through, you're going to fall flat on your face. Now, I, wish, I wish we could get a hold of that. The only way we'll ever discover how faithful God is is He puts us in a weight position when He doesn't, when and if, where, if He doesn't come through, we fall flat. We, we, just, we fail. Why do we wait? 
because it's the only way you will ever discover how faithful you are. Let me tell you, the faithful are the people who wait on God, who travel by the instruments. Now, there are three applications. Get these down and we're history. One, waiting involves trusting. Two, waiting includes praying. And three, waiting implies resting. Involves trusting, includes praying, implies resting. Let's pray. Father, we don't like it when we're placed in the wait position, but we have found in the history of our life that's where we grow the greatest. That's where we find the greatest strength. When we're placed in that wait position where we just have to wrap ourselves around your character and hang on, that we exchange our weakness for your strength. So even then, Lord, we can say, put us in the wait position. To wait for answered prayer, to wait for relief, to wait to be vindicated of some wrong instead of taking uh, retaliation and vengeance. To wait for something that has never been before, just believing that you'll do it. So that indeed we can grow, be the men, women you want us to be. In faith I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Now I want to give an invitation tonight because I believe that every service ought to conclude with a decision. And every sermon ought to be directed toward decision. My, my sermon tonight is, is directed to this proposition that every one of us need to hear from God and do what God wants us to do. To wait till He tells us and then do it. The moment we know what God wants us to do, we do it. I wonder if God has spoken to your heart about being a Christian, about joining the church, about living a more committed life, a greater witness, a, a, a more faithful uh, prayer partner. Has he spoken to your life about what ought not be there and what, it, what is there it ought not be? We'll give you an opportunity to, to decide publicly for God while we stand. When we sing, you come. <laughs>